Hello and welcome to Shades and Layers. This is episode 9 of season 3 on creative entrepreneurship. I'm Kutlanos Kusana Ritchie, your host. Today's guest is South African visionary creative, founder and Uber curator of experiences, Nandi Lepu, a.k.a. Mamagashaga. She's a self-confessed romantic and I hope you will be inspired by her approach to life and business. So after graduating from film school, she worked for many years in television and advertising, establishing herself as a top-tier creative and in 2017, seeing new opportunities for expressing her talents and serving her community. Community, she gathered the courage to jump into entrepreneurship and Mama Gashaga, their marketing agency, was born. Today, Nandi and her team design curated events for clients. Uh, she herself is a sought-after speaker, interviewer, and uh, gives talks on various aspects of creative entrepreneurship. She's the founder of the music-driven events Feel Good series, the fashion-centered, color-themed Pantone Sundays, as well as co-founder of the women's gathering Women in Bloom. In our conversation, we get into the details and greater purpose of each brand and to Nandi and her team it's not worth doing if it does not entertain empower or inspire in all her glory this is Nandi Lepu uh, your work how would you describe what you do a I think that it's a universal response to like a deeper calling having worked in in agency in the service of others um, and I think primarily uh, for commercial gain. Mm-hmm. Um, the last like four to five years of me doing my own thing have really been passion centric. You know, mm-hmm. this is not star work that we're doing. And for me, my, my why is really about doing and creating work that empowers, inspires and simultaneously entertains. Mm-hmm. And I've made it a choice. Um, <laughs> this is just based on like experience um, to focus on areas of my passion. So I only do work within the arts, culture and lifestyle space now. Yeah. And what's the need that you identified when you started out? It's a, it's a, for me, it's always around othered and emerging and or up and coming. Mm-hmm. I have a affinity or a soft spot. I'm not sure what to call it really, <laughs> but it really is for me about um, creating platforms like legitimately, legitimately creating platform. Mm. Um, there are often times with the platforms that we've created for our creative community where it would be so much easier just to, you know, to always pick the brightest and mm. the brightest stars of things. But I find that within the creative sector that if you are not intentional yeah. and truthful to, you know, creating platforms and elevating voices, well, we're only going to churn the same things over and over again. True. I remember being advertising and like every time we'd get a brief, like a casting brief mm. or a mood board of the type of characters that they're looking for, it would constantly reference the same three to five people mm. all the time. Mm. And, and really for me, it was about this is three to five people out of how many million mm-hmm. You know? yes. And I think one of the things that keeps us all going, one of the biggest drivers and motivators is that it could be you, right? Right. But how can it be you when we're all, you know, playing our part to keep the gatekeeping structures going? So a lot of what I do is in, it's an inspired yeah. <laughs> response. Yeah. It's kind of like going against really, the grain. But not like blindly mm-hmm. or mindlessly. Mm-hmm. 
I really do want to, it's so idealistic and so romantic mm-hmm. and so cliche. <laughs> but I, what I consider myself is I really do want to leave, if not the world, but the spaces in which I occupy better than how I found them. Mm-hmm. So as a black person, I want to make the world better for other black people. Mm-hmm. As a woman, I want to make the world better for other women. As a black woman, I want to make the world better for black women. As a creative, I want to make the world better for creatives and so on. And, so and how has the platform grown over the past? Uh, how long has it been around? Let's start there. So the agency has actually been around for four years. Mm-hmm. Um, and our own owned brands or platforms, which are Feel Good Series, uh, Pantone, Sundays and Bloom. Like Feel Good Series has been around for five years. So mm-hmm. it's a little older than the agency. And yo, I, like, I don't know if you can hear the smile. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you sound very excited about this. <laughs> I mean, because I think it's a, it's really exciting to be able to do what you love and love what you yeah, do first yeah, and foremost. Yeah. But moreover, on a year by year basis, is to see how open people, brands, organizations, and communities are to complementing and supporting, you know, our respective visions. Mm, you know, mm. my account manager and I were actually talking about it this Monday about how. You know, like particularly this year, it's 2021 on the back of 2020, the year that wasn't. Mm, hey. And and we had such goals for ourselves for 2021. And we have to, A, be one with the fact that we haven't been able to achieve those goals because, you know, the world essentially exploded. But we actually had to take a moment to be like, but we are still here. Mm. We're not thriving as much as we expected to be, but we've definitely survived. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot more than a lot of people. Mm, and there's mm-hmm, gratitude in yeah, that. Yeah. It's been an incredibly affirming 12 to 18 months. Can you expand on that? Because you have mainly events in the other, um, in, in Feel Good, Pantone and Bloom. So how have you weathered the storm there? We, we were able to sign deals for the future, even while everything was going on. Right. And that's very affirming when people say, listen, when we come back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Great. It was, it was very interesting for us to be in a space for like, you know, six or 12 months where our partners and where, you know, people were saying, yo, but when we come back, we get it. When we come back, um, that was incredibly affirming. It made me feel like we had built things of value. Mm. We had um, people, uh, brands and organizations who were like, how, how are you going to respond to this and how can we help you? Mm. How are you going to respond to this and how can we be a part of it? Mm -hmm. Mm. So it wasn't that, oh, you guys, you own experience-led properties and therefore, you know, it's going to be a shaky, if not like, you know, the year of your demise. But moreover, it was all about, we want you to survive. How are we going to, you know, meaningfully partner with Mm. you and, Mm -hmm. and come the storm. So that was that really made me think about the value that these properties had, not just to us, because obviously we're all sentimental. About <laughs> <our children. laughs> that it, it it really felt like we had, on some level, achieved what we had sought out to uh, create mm. and to do, which become meaningful um, and impactful platforms so in, in one way or the other. And I think once that's achieved, people are invested in seeing you, you know, yeah. 
Yeah. Survive. Yeah, that's Slash of win. course that uh, brings me to the question of, you know, how do you build a brand like that or brand value like that? Goodness gracious. <laughs> I want to say that I got lucky, but I am very I can be very um hyper focused mm-hmm. on my why's. Mm-hmm. And and that's how you build it, right? You build it through co- consistently showing up in a consistent manner. And I think we've always articulated Feel Good Series as a platform for emerging musical talent. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter what happens. That's what we stick. We stick to that. Right. We build content strategies that are motiva- motivated and inspired by that insight. We book and curate, you know, as a result of that insight. And we, we, we don't, we don't compromise. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that can be said across uh, Pantone, Sundays and Bloom is that we, I have a, when I say I, it actually just isn't me. It's me and the people who have um, come in and out of my journey in the last, like, you know, three to five mm-hmm, years. Mm-hmm. We have a very fixed vision of where, we're, of, of where we need to end up. And the year by year translation or manifestation of that may change and adapt or evolve but what it is that we're trying to achieve has has never changed across all the platforms. Right. So, and I think that does something. I think that people, when people are able to trust who you are fundamentally and um, moreover, you know, um, there's a relationship of sorts where there's um, loyalty or, you know, affinity or love, whatever mm-hmm. it is, mm-hmm. um, people, people will support. But then again, segue to... My earlier confession, which is I am highly idealistic person. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what drives vision. I mean, you, ha- yeah, you have to have a dream, really right? Yeah. Believe, yeah, we, I 100% believe that it can be done. I 100% believe that if it's, um, if it's something that is not just good for me, but it's good for, you know, the community as a whole, that, you know, the community will get involved. Yeah. What about the others? Uh, what, what do they uh, involve? So Pantone Sundays, and then we can go to Bloom after that. What's the focus? Yeah, of so, yeah. yeah so like I said, like the, the why for the agency is really to inspire, empower and entertain. And for me, that's like the mamakashaka like trifecta, like all, all our own properties and the work that we try to do for our clients has to speak to those three pillars. And it does so on varying scales. So on Feel Good Series, we're a platform, you know, for emerging musical talent. And on Pantone Sundays, we are a color-themed fashion experience. And we, we, we are building a platform to promote and celebrate, you know, local fashion designers. Mm-hmm. So right now, every, every Pantone Sundays features a local fashion brand, mm-hmm. you know? So that for me is like, again, just, you know, trying to create a space where we can meaningfully empower. But entertainment is a big thing for me. I'm a fun-loving personality. <laughs> and I think the best way, the best way for people to um, adopt, evolve and learn is through entertainment. Yeah. You know, I've, I, as cheesy as it is, I've always liked the phrase edutainment. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think, you can make um, education entertaining people will actually meaningfully learn and all the platforms have something they actually have like a legitimate mission to them but we package it in a way that is still novel you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. that um, that still allows people to interact with it 
um, in, in, in a way that is palatable for them. Mm-hmm. So it's fun. But we also, all of them are curate, curated and created in such a way that I hope to inspire other people, a new generation right. of, you know, experience-led agencies or event curators or a way of thinking. And yeah, and I, and I want to entertain. So it's, it's, it's important to me that they be commercial ventures. Perfect. Um, yeah. Because at the day, there's, uh, there are mortgages to be paid for. <laughs> other, other humans that need to be cared for. 100%. <laughs> Tell me about Bloom. That's women-centered. Bloom is something that I created um, with Farai Simoyi, who's my co-founder. And she's a fashion designer and entrepreneur based in New York, mm-hmm. in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. It was created because I was ready to leave uh, agency and in trying to find the courage to leave what was then an incredibly well-paying job, I started looking for um, organizations, be they online or in real life, that would kind of, you know, help motivate me to make this change. And I found amazing platforms, like really amazing platforms like She Leads Africa, yeah, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and a whole bunch of like just amazing female-centered business platforms but what i found was missing for me personally was the fact that i was a creative entrepreneur right talking Mm -hmm. to me about Mm -hmm. how to start a business is very different to talking to a personal to a person with more traditional services so i was attending talks workshops etc etc and i found that you know the thinking wasn't relevant for my industry Mm -hmm. And essentially, that's how Bloom was created. It was created by creative women, for creative women. And for the for creative women is, you know, creative freelancers and creative entrepreneurs. Yeah. So that's that's our niche, is the fact that we are specifically a platform for creatives. You're listening to Shades and Layers, and today's guest is Nandi Lepu, a.k.a. Mamagashaga. Nandi is on a mission to empower the next generation of creatives and believes that telling the full and unfiltered story of her journey is one way to do so. So in the next part of our conversation, we get into the nitty gritty of what creative entrepreneurship entails. She lets us in on how she created value in her brands and the most valuable lessons she's learned along the way during her journey. So let's get to the business side of things here. You said you had no resources when you wanted to start this entity and you were, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, access to information, etc., which is, of course, what inspired Bloom. So how did you get started initially? Um, so, for example, Philco series was built while I still had a nine to five. Um, I think sometimes when we're trying to pursue our dreams, we can become resentful. Mm-hmm of our nine to fives instead of seeing them as enablers. Right. Yeah. I had, um, I had, I, I had security. I had disposable income, which allowed me to try out things and make mistakes that I think that if my, you know, my life was dependent on, I wouldn't have been able to. Yep. Um, but moreover, when we, when, when I launched the, um, the agency, Mama Gashaga, um, beyond our own 
properties or platforms, I did have an agency or service, a service oriented offering to it that was based on my past life. So, and it wasn't something that we spoke about a lot. And I think it was in part because I wasn't sure if um, this was part of my long-term plan. But for the first like two years, um, the, the company pretty much survived with staff, not because of the brands that I had created, namely Feel Good Series, um, Bloom, and Pantone Sundays. It was because of the um, agency offering. Mm-hmm, so where mm-hmm. we, were, we were charging you know, uh, clients within the arts, culture, and lifestyle. That's the only thing I was true to was like, there had to be clients from who were either in those industry industries or were trying to do something within those communities. Mm-hmm. And we were doing work for them and, you know, um, billing for um, ideation, for strategy, for content production, etc. I mean, for the first... Um, I think my first year of business, we pitched for the Dalo Media Account oh, yeah. mm-hmm. um, at the time, and we won that. So we were the official events producer for Dalo Media mm-hmm. in year one agency. We had pitched for um, two of the three ArtLogic businesses. ArtLogic, wonderful, wonderful. Um, well, used to be, um, they no longer exist, but wonderful entity that owned um sanlam well the handmade oh right yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. they also own joburg art fair as well as the winter sculpture fair Mm. so in year one pitched on um the handmade contemporary fair and winter sculpture fair and won those two accounts so my year one and two we we were sustainable and thriving because of the agency offering. And I sometimes, um, like, I wish I had spoken a lot more about the other stuff because I think it gave people, at least at least people who aspire to do what I was doing or what I was in part doing, it didn't give them a full enough picture. So people thought that I was like, you know, thriving because of these things that I created. But it took took me a while to commercialize, mm, you mm. know, uh, field series Panton Sun is a bloom, you know, for a, a long time, I was paying for bloom. Mm. And, you know, and sometimes when you don't talk about those stories and people are just only seeing the beautiful curated content outputs of all these experiences, um, it's, it's actually not an accurate picture of the reality. And I always wondered, damn, maybe I wish we had told that story more because um, yeah, I sometimes have very unrealistic um, conversations with people where like, and it's just them putting like such unnecessary undue pressure on themselves, um, mm, you know, as a mm-hmm, result mm-hmm. of maybe my inspiration to them. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Feel Good Series didn't make money until year, between year two and three. Bloom only started making, breaking even at year three. You know, like all these things that I, and, and I think that's why I welcome opportunities such as the one you've given me today is in part trying to rectify that because I'm like, oh my God, I, I need to tell the full story. Right. To share, if you want to share your story, you, you should try share a very responsible version. Yeah. Which leads me back to like in a very roundabout way about how people look at their nine to fives in, in the moment where they realize that they want to do something else and they will treat them resentfully without actually realizing that nine to fives can sometimes offer you, you know, an opportunity to build your dream. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But how did you so, find the and, balance and, between nine to five, uh, you had 
three entities going, <laughs> and I assume that you have a personal life too. You know, <laughs> I yeah, I have a personal life. <laughs> um, I think we all have our own rhythm and and pace and intensity. I've I've worked very hard to resist the term workaholic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's an ugly <laughs> term yeah. and that doesn't understand what drives a person. Yeah. Like these are things that really fulfill me and bring me great joy. And so I put hours into it. It's misleading. It's very misleading. But I am a 16-hour <laughs> work paper. <laughs> but you consider I it work? <laughs> That's the question. Not all the time. It's. It doesn't feel like work when it feels like, you know, I've, I've, I've had a professional career for I think, two decades or whatever, however long mm-hmm. it is. I really feel like this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. I'm exactly where I need mm. to be. And, and feeling like that and feeling so aligned and so in sync, it's like the whole thing sings all the time. I really enjoy what I do. Even on its worst days, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. I have to like look the other way and ignore things that are like grind culture and whatever it's not that's just not how i interpret it at all yeah, like yeah. serving people serving humanity is not grind culture it just it just isn't for me yeah, but i, I yeah. suppose it's because what i do is linked to a bigger purpose yeah at least in my mm-hmm, eyes mm-hmm. and so yeah you are like a I romantic <laughs> i am right <laughs> totally <laughs> Uh, I'm one with a car. Like, I'm, do you not see I'm owning it? <laughs> like, I own it, I get it. Yeah. And it's fine. I think life is romantic. Yeah, That's yeah, it. sure. As it should be. Uh, it should be lived with flair. And yeah, and all that good stuff. Yeah. So who have you been working with? Kind of mentors, people who've been there for you along the way. Whoa, my goodness. Um, <laughs> there's actually quite a few people and like in ways that I don't expect. And I have to take like a moment at certain points of my journeys. There's just so many individuals um, that I'm going to forget. But for the most part, I have an amazing account manager, Tony. Mm-hmm. And this is who's, um, who sought me out. She had decided that her passion area was within creating these worlds and opportunities for people. And she sought me out and she came wanting to intern and blah, blah, blah. And like, and, and this is like three years ago. And here right. we are. And yeah, and um, and have this person like, um, like seek you out, um, see themselves in what you're trying to achieve and be like, yo, I'm committing to this is, 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 is deeply affirming. Um, it's, and it's a, it's, it's a responsibility, mm-hmm. which I welcome, but also, um, on Bloom, I've had, um, my co-founder Farai, like at the, Bloom wouldn't exist without mm-hmm. her overwhelming support and mutual passion. And we've translated what Bloom is for ourselves in our respective territories. So Bloom is a different thing, um, in her world, i.e. New York, i.e. Um, the U.S. So funny, I was wondering if those two are connected in any way. Yeah, yeah, they are. But I mean, this is part of the things about, this is part of the thing about collaboration and partnerships, right? Is that you have to allow people to manifest themselves Mm. in a way that strikes balance and harmony 
between organizational vision and their own vision, mm, mm-hmm. you know, a purpose. So for me and Farai, I've always said to her, like, don't feel pressured by how I choose to manifest and respond to our shared calling. You need to respond to it in a manner that is, you know, authentic to you and your community. Mm. Yeah, I think that's what's been so wonderful about Bloom is that Farai m- manages it uh, for the most part, um, how she sees fit. I trust her as an individual. Mm-hmm. Uh, the business in me also makes sure that it, everything is set up in a manner that, you know, the the business manifestations are protected from each mm-hmm. other. That's the practical in me. So I do have that. It's not all romantic. Uh, that's good. <laughs> I mean, to have a balance, it's really priceless, honestly. It's uh, lawyers and accountants on retainer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, But I mean, on Bloom, I've had wonderful uh, um, partners like Larissa Elliott. She's an amazing designer. And she came on board for a portion of our journey as creative partner. Mm. I currently have uh, Daniela um, Bowler, and she's our host. And she's someone who came in literally, yo, sis, literally to rescue me. Mm. Literally to rescue me. Um, because our, we had like um, an annual Creative Women's Conference and I had an anxiety attack at the event. Mm. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> known to anyone just before it began and Danny was there and she's always been a, a friend and ally right. and she was there to witness my rather unfortunate anxiety attack and she was on some what do you need from me today can I take what interviews can I take from you what can I do and um, it was a day where essentially I was into I was doing all the interviews and I was able to hand over half of those interviews to her and I mean she handled it in stride because obviously she's badass <laughs> <laughs> but I mean these are the, just the the types of like inter, interventions and things that have happened to me across the three platforms where people have just like just responded and just been like, how can I help? How can I do this? And yeah, we found a way to make it work in terms of, you know, whatever it is we think we are, what we have been called onto this earth to mm, um, mm-hmm. achieve and respond to and our uh, respective commercial interests. Mm. What's the most challenging aspect of being your own boss? Oh my God, it is. Um, I need a boss. I need, a boss. <laughs> <laughs> I need someone to run my ass because <laughs> I play um, two contrasting um, uh, roles in the business. I am the creative director, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm also the managing director. So, and what tends to happen is as a creative, I want to push, mm-hmm. I want to push mm-hmm. in all elements as the managing director. And as someone who's a trained producer, you know, part of the responsibilities on that end is to cost effectively do that. And the, I can't manage myself. <laughs> sure. I'm often over budget. <laughs> <laughs> And then, like, my account manager would be like, we, we don't have money for this. I'm like, oh, but isn't it beautiful? <laughs> Roper in, Roper in. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I am the, isn't it beautiful? Or hasn't that thing, that additional spend made it a better experience? Or getting that DJ or getting that artist or doing this thing. Um, as the team begins to understand me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they are getting 
increasingly better at managing me. <laughs> and I, it's also about being honest with yourself. Like, um, you know, when I take the creative helm, I need a producer to manage me. Right. I can't produce my mm-hmm. I need a producer mm-hmm. to that, that that's been one of the biggest challenges of being my own boss. Mm. My own boss. Mm. What would you say your most important lesson has been on entrepreneurship? Um, that it's okay to mm-hmm. fail. Moreover, not to look at it as failure, but probably better as school fees. <laughs> I think I firmly believe that your relationship with failure will determine your ultimate success. Great. That's really solid advice. Have- yeah. Yeah, I think the expectation that we're always going to be winning, that we're always going to be successful is is so false and so dangerous. Yep. Uh, yeah, you should expect to fail. And, and it's all about how you respond to failure or disappointment or whatever, you know, because it has varying registering scales, right? Mm, so mm-hmm. it's really about how you respond to those things. Yep. And now for the final part of my conversation with Nandi, where she tells us her backstory and explores ideas on how she would tell her story today in a memoir. There's also a surprise walk down memory lane that gives insights into how Nandi sharpened her community building skills. Some reflections on motherhood are in there too. Here goes with Nandi's childhood memories. So about you and uh, where you grew up, <laughs> can you give me your top three memories from childhood? Um, I grew up in the Eastern Cape, Ebai, mm-hmm. um, um, which is now known as Oveja. Yep. Um, thereafter, I moved to the Transkei Mtata. Mm-hmm. And thereafter, the next big chunk of my life I spent in Johannesburg. And if I had to pick a memory from each, you know, significant location and chapter i think when i was in pe it was the my best memory of feeling was the overwhelming sense of family mm-hmm. i think because i lived in a city where my grandfather was a walk away my aunts were you know a walk away my nieces and nephews were a walk away um i remember a, a, a great sense a family in that first um, chapter of my mm-hmm. life. Nice. Uh, when we then lived in the Transkei, I distinctly remember how okay I was with being removed from that. Okay. Yeah. I remember not feeling any type of way about the fact that we've moved and left it all behind. Mm. It was like, you know, waiting days and weeks months for a reaction that people warned like oh you're gonna miss your friends oh you're gonna miss your family and um i didn't <laughs> um you know i remembered everybody fondly but i, I didn't the, i didn't miss them in the way that um i was led to believe i would mm. and that was also for me like a very distinct memory that kind of affirmed or alluded to a spirit of independence yeah. Uh, which exists now. Yep. Like I'm a, I'm, I'm a very independent, independent person. No matter how close you might think we are, I'm, I'm actually quite comfortable with being alone. Mm. And I think the third thing, <laughs> uh, moving to Cape Town. I mean, sorry to uh, Joburg because I actually did a stint in Cape Town as well, but nowhere near as relevant as my time in this, in my Joho. <laughs> <laughs> 
as I'd like to call it when I was younger. Very striking. Yo, this is crazy. Again, was um, in Johannesburg, I felt like I was constantly surrounded by people, but always felt alone. And in Johannesburg, I learned what it was at an early age. Well, I learned what community was um, at an early age, but as a result of lack. Right. So, so you and, lacked that community. And, mm. Yeah. And so it definitely has inspired who I am and why I create mm-hmm. uh, these spaces. I'm, I'm, yeah. trying, I'm trying to build community. And I suppose if you take those three those three things, right, mm. is that at the very center of it all is people and, and relationships and how react, respond to them. I'm a very people-centric person. Yeah, Joe can be quite lonely. Speaking of which, Joho Mums, what happened? Ah! Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy! <laughs> oh my God, that was such a pleasant surprise! I know all about that. <laughs> oh my God, so Joho Mums... And you're going to see this, it, this is echoed throughout everything I've said to mm. you, but essentially I, I fell pregnant at like, it was my late twenties, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, again, um, but uh, none of my friends, um, had kids or were pregnant or whatever. And so in trying to find community and, and not being able to, I decided to build a community of my own. Great so idea. I started this yeah. blog. Joho Moms will have interviewed young creative moms. So it was moms uh, primarily um, within advertising, film, art, fashion, music spaces. Mm. And I, I asked every single mom the same set of questions because part of me was, A, it was questions that were like high on like, on, 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 like constantly on my mind as like a young parent. Mm. But moreover, I wanted to ask people um, these new mothers, the same set of questions, just to also draw parallel realities. The fact that we don't experience motherhood in the same way and it should be fine. It should mm-hmm. be accepted. Yep. Yep. What I found as a young mom was this insane pressure to parent and to respond to parenting, you know, based on um, societal expectations or the expectations of my family or then my in-laws, mm. you know? And Joho Moms for me was a very affirming outlet where as I was speaking to all these different women, these different mothers about their first like year, a couple years of motherhood and just hearing like, yo, these stories were like so different from each other. I felt really affirmed in my own, you know, uniqueness and individuated experience. That's nice. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And that's why, and again, so I created it out of a need. (laughs) (laughs) To the things I decided to do for myself. Um, and really, it was, really, it was so amazing how it really, like, people really resonated with it. And in fact, part of its reason I, it ended was because I just couldn't keep up with the content demand. Sure. I couldn't keep up with it. I was working full time. It was, yo, if you have children, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, that first year is a job. Yeah. Job. yeah. <laughs> it's very, yo. I, I, but it's a, it's so underrated, or rather, it, there's always this romantic picture of falling in love with your baby, and you know. What are you talking about? Like what the hell? Yeah, it's a nightmare. Like, yeah. 
It is a complete nightmare. I always tell people I've always loved my child from the time I found out I was pregnant. It was just like I love, I loved the seed. I enjoyed having the seed grow within me, etc. etc. My my appreciation for my child was I don't think I'm gonna say this correctly, but I hope people understand what, what it is I'm trying to convey. Was was an, an earned and lived experience didn't magically just be. Uh, from year to year, our relationship got better. I, from year to year, I'm becoming a better mother. Yeah. Uh, As you get to know them and their needs and yes. how they want to be parented. Yeah, yeah completely. So, um, and it's, it's, been, it's been a very honest journey where I check in with myself. I'm like, wow, this was a good parenting year. <laughs> <laughs> They had more W's than L's. I, I showed up for these ways. I was able to. It's a. It's a really big um, adjustment. Feels like the understatement of the. It's century, huge. Like, yeah, it's a huge adjustment. It's a huge adjustment. But the love, my goodness, the the romantic in me. Yeah. Comes <laughs> but it is a romantic thing. Been, oh, the love that I feel for this human being is unmatched. And it's not to say that it's a competition or should be contested or whatever, but it is on another level how much I love myself. So if you had to write a memoir, what would it be called and why? Good God. Um, it would actually take on a very traditional title. It would be like, the Chronicles of One Nandi Lepu, otherwise known as Mama Ashak. Mm-hmm. I say chronicles because my that's what it fucking feels like. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it feels like sometimes. It's like some of the insane stuff that has happened to me. It's just like, yeah, the word chronicles is just like, <laughs> yeah. It's um, befitting, but also it implies genre. Yeah. Um, it would be something that talks about magic. Mm. Mm. <laughs> it would be something that speaks about like history, folklore. Nice. But it would be something that they. Yeah. Oh, that would be fun. <laughs> lots of magic. Lots of magic. Great. Is there any other pressing thing that you would like to mention about this life of Mama Gashaga? Um, I think um, I'm going to draw from a cliche. Mm-hmm which is really the greatest project you'll ever work on is yourself. And that's how I treat my life. And that's how I would always like urge people to treat themselves is that you are the greatest thing you'll ever work on. Mm. I think um, life lived in service to something greater than yourself is highly rewarding. Yeah, I do. You can all, you can kind of tell that I had a Catholic stint. Yeah? <laughs> hey, man, I had a very long one, so. <laughs> yeah, life in service. <laughs> in service to mankind. Service to mankind, service exactly. To a greater purpose. <laughs> yeah, the greater purpose. I, I subscribe all the way. All of it. So what's next for you guys at Mama Gashag? Oh my God, it's so exciting. So now that we're survived, (laughs) (laughs) 
we and just and you know what honestly more than survive and i look forward to you know doubling down i think having come from a period where the ability to manifest yourself in a certain way was literally taken away from you i can't tell you the urgency in which i feel to give and to do mm-hmm. like it's, it's it, it, it 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 feels urgent not desperate mm-hmm. it feels urgent in a really 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 good way and i'm finding that that urgency is being like matched back um you know by the overwhelming opportunities that we had to literally wade through yeah, the last like yeah. three four months because everyone everyone's hungry to get back you know? yeah and i think that there's an openness as a result what can we do together what can we do for each other what can we do with each other i love all those conversations mm. it's really exciting mm. it's like there's there's nothing there's, there's there's nothing quite as inspiring and as invigorating sometimes like starting off. yeah because you never know <laughs> tomorrow is not guaranteed it sure as hell ain't and I think we can all testify yep. to that. So Nandi, this has been really amazing. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. If I want to send people your way, where can they find you? Um, they can find me on Instagram at Mama Kashaga. They can also visit uh, my website, www.mamakashaga.co.za. Thank you again. <laughs> my pleasure, sis. Thank you for having me. And that is all from me this time around. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shades and Layers. Please do feel free to share it with your friends and family. Thanks again for your ongoing support. And I look forward to seeing you on the gram. Use the handle at Shades and Layers podcast. One word. I'm Kudonis Kosana Ritchie. And until next time, please do take good care. <laughs>